Welcome to another episode of the Coco Podcast, a place where we amplify voices in the chocolate and cocoa industry in search of true sustainability. I am your host, Emma Rose. Today, we're exploring the dark side of the chocolate industry and how most chocolate sold in the United States is produced with forced child labor. This is an issue that has been known about for decades now, but still very little improvement has been made over the past years to fix it. In fact, the problem is still growing with reports showing that more than 1.5 million children engage in hazardous work in cocoa farms in West Africa alone. I couldn't ask for a more knowledgeable guest today to explore this issue with, Terry Collingsworth. Terry is an international human rights attorney whose main focus is on litigating international human rights cases and leading evidence gathering missions in countries that commit, allow, or condone human rights abuses. Welcome to the show, Terry. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Emma, and I, I look forward to our chat. This is a very important uh, issue that, believe it or not, most people don't know that there's child slaves harvesting their cocoa right now today. Absolutely. So, Terry, I was hoping to first get a little background story on your life's work so that everyone listening can get up to speed on who you are and what you do. Well, I've been a lawyer for probably way longer than you were even alive, <laughs> but about 30 some years, let's say. And uh, I started out wanting to just do, you know, labor law, help help workers and uh, realized pretty quickly in my just travels and observations that there's a whole lot of really horrible criminal activity going on in the global economy because companies uh, literally will do whatever they can get away with wherever they are. So they, they seek out places where there is no law. They seek out places where they can abuse their workers. And in the case of Coco, um, they've really expanded their operations in Cote d'Ivoire and Ghana uh, to get away with using child slaves and other forms of the worst kinds of child labor. So I, I spent some years just trying to figure out, well, how can I do something about that? Because the legal systems in other countries like Cote d'Ivoire uh, don't work, they're corrupt, and the companies know that, and that's one of the reasons they're there. So uh, long story short, I experimented with almost every tool in the toolbox. I worked on codes of conduct. I did naming and shaming reports. We tried to use trade tools. Uh, we tried to negotiate with the companies. And then finally, we stumbled upon a real tool, which is to figure out what kinds of legal claims we could bring in the United States against companies that are violating human rights. So, so right now in the Coco cases, for example, we have two different cases pending. One is an older case, but it's under the alien tort statute and it allows us to sue uh, US companies for violations of the laws of nations. And then we have a relatively new law that allows us to sue for just trafficking and forced labor, which in the cocoa context is, is exactly right. It fits perfectly with our claims. So I, I've now devoted my time almost entirely to doing uh, the litigation because I just found the companies were never proceeding in good faith and that what we needed to do was find a stick to force them to comply with the, the rules that all civilized nations have agreed to, like not using slaves and that the companies themselves falsely claim that they're abiding by. 
Right. And based on everything you've learned through your research and your work, what would you say is the most broken part of the traditional cocoa supply chain? It's the, well, the entire system is broken, unfortunately, but the fundamental source of virtually all of the horrible activities is that the cocoa companies don't pay enough to the farmers for the cocoa they're purchasing. And the farmers resort to anything they can to try to stay in business and stay alive. And one of the ways they do that is to rely on uh, either free or very cheap labor of children who are easier to uh, sort of abuse and uh, force to work against their will. So that then from that follows that the entire system is, is, has become dependent on uh, child labor, certainly in Cote d'Ivoire and Ghana. And the companies know it, they, they tolerate it, if not facilitated because all they care about is their cheap cocoa. And uh, that's really it. So one of the messages to consumers is not, not to support this, but that there is cocoa out there, that uh, chocolate products out there that are not made with slaves. And uh, let's, let's find those. And if you go on stop, uh, it's called uh, slavefreechocolate.org run by a friend of mine, Ann Riggs. She lists 30 or so uh, companies that have been thoroughly vetted in the, and that don't use the cheap model of chocolate production that results in the use of child slaves. All right. I know that website pretty well. I've, <laughs> I've gone through that whole website. Um, so I'd say a lot of these big companies argue that the complexity of the situation in West Africa is I guess their excuse for why they can't make that many improvements as far as, you know, uh, limit, like stopping child labor and all of that. Um, what do you say to that? Do you think it's more simple than they make it out to be? Yes, I don't think I can use obscenities on uh, your, your show, but let's just say that is nonsense. The, uh, the supply chain issues are incredibly simple. Um, and the, the, the real just devious evil um, actions of the company, the companies are demonstrate this, that they tell the, the when, when they're about to get regulated or when consumers rise up and complain in, in some very visible fashion, uh, they'll claim that uh, they're, they're totally against child labor. There's, they're working on their supply chain transparency, but they're going to stop this. Don't worry, because it's, it's horrible and we don't want it either. When they're in court against me, they, they just did it again in our new case. They tell the judge, essentially, I don't even know where Cote d'Ivoire is. Uh, we just buy beans and we have no idea what's going on over there. So they're disingenuous from the start. So if someone already has lied to you again and again and again and again, when they say something new, I, I'd view it with suspicion. But the fact is that, yes, the supply chain issue really is pretty simple. We have designed, and others have designed monitoring and certification systems in way more complicated situations than this. 
Cocoa is geographically confined to a few areas in Cote d'Ivoire and Ghana. Everybody knows where it is. If they would open their doors and work with us as we've been asking them for over 20 years, if they think it's too complicated, we can do it for them. Just let us in the door and that's what they don't want. Right. Right. So based on all of this, um, would you, could you say that as consumers, when we eat commoditized chocolate and are paying very little for it, are we profiting knowingly or unknowingly uh, from forced child labor? Well, I think you are. Consumers that continue to use chocolate they know was produced by slaves or other of the worst forms of child labor, you're certainly supporting an industry that uh, is, is directly complicit in the slavery. Now, as a matter of fact, uh, the companies in their brief, they've just filed to try to dismiss my one of my cases against them for child slavery. They make that argument. They say, well, if we can be held liable, then consumers could too, if they knew there's child labor in our supply chain. And if when you stop laughing at that, we can zero in and say, you don't need to worry about that, Nestle, because your, your activities are way different than a consumer. Nestle has promised since 2001, when they signed the fake Harkin-Engel voluntary protocol, that don't worry, we got this, we're going to stop. And instead of fixing it, they gave themselves four extensions of time. And now they are officially saying that by the year 2025, they will have reduced by 70% the amount of child labor in their supply chain. So that's evil genius in that they, they really got themselves permission to keep doing it, at least in some quarters until, until they stop. But going back to the consumer question, so Nestle and Cargill and the others, Mars, Hershey, they, they stepped into this problem after getting caught red-handed in, in the years 1999, 2000, people started publishing reports, taking pictures again. Cote d'Ivoire became a, tr a place where you could go without getting caught in the civil conflict. So they, they got caught red-handed. They promised they would fix it in 2001. And then they have engaged in a very devious campaign of misinformation and falsehoods. And they have spent millions and millions of dollars with lawyers, lobbyists, and PR firms to keep doing what they're doing. They've, but they themselves say, we could stop it. They, they just haven't. So a consumer doesn't have that level of control. A consumer is not highly profiting from this system. Right. A consumer is not lying about their role in, in the system. But consumers out there, once you know this, there's no reason in the world to continue to support these companies that are profiting from your willingness to buy their products. So the, the best thing you can do as a consumer is you can go on my website or, or the Slave Free Chocolate website. Mine is iradvocates.org. And we have a, a link on there where you can communicate directly to the companies and tell them you're not buying their stuff anymore until they stop and then support some of the companies that are doing it the right way, that are doing more than not enslaving children. They're supporting communities. They're, they're building schools. They really are out there. And I've been to a couple of uh, great examples of that. And uh, I, I can't believe that the big companies are getting away with not, not meeting this standard. So that, that's the, the main message. And I, I just think uh, we need 
people to take that seriously. You, you vote with your pocketbook and uh, do it, do the right thing. Right on. Thank you for that. Um, is there something we can actively do to work for change? So, you know, like it not buying or supporting, right? That's a more passive way as a consumer. That's a really great thing to do. But for say someone like me who has a chocolate business, is there something I can actively be doing to improve the lives of the farmers and children that are suffering at the bottom of the supply chain? Sure, thank you for that question. I, um, well, there's really two paths to take, right? One is to actively be working to stop the companies who are doing this. So you, instead of liking my post on Facebook or something, actually write to the company. And we've made it as simple as possible. You click on a link and up pops Nestle's uh, email uh, address. You're directly linked to their contact us uh, site and put a message in there so that they get bombarded with messages that we're not gonna to continue to support a company that enslaves children. That's one thing. We have, at least for a temporary period of time, a democratic Congress where some of the people are interested in this issue. Uh, I want people to know that in the year 2000, that based on the, we suddenly we were able, including us, to uh, do research in Cote d'Ivoire, we passed through the House of Representatives a bill sponsored by uh, Elliot Engel, who's no longer in the House from New York, that banned the importation of chocolate from West Africa unless the company could actually demonstrate that it was not made with child labor. This was a beautiful thing. And it was passed by a huge bipartisan majority because we showed pictures of child slaves to members of Congress. And it's really hard not to be outraged when you see that. You can go on my website and see the most current pictures that we took just in 2019. It's still going up. But that law passed. Then it went over to the Senate and by then the companies got all organized, they hired giant lobbying firms, and they converted that law into the Harkin Engel Voluntary Protocol, which has given the companies now free reign under the guise of complying with that to continue to do what they're doing. So another good uh, helpful step people can take is to contact your members of Congress and urge them to take action to stop this very agreed visible example of slavery in the year 2021 in, in this country. Another thing people can do is reach out to other activist groups that might have a voice that could help greatly like Black Lives Matter. We were constantly sending information to different chapters of Black Lives Matter because these are African slaves that are harvesting cocoa in the year 2021. Every time I say that, my head explodes. It's like, come on, people, this is this is real. This is not like, uh, oh, sign this petition. These kids are enslaved today. You mentioned at the outset, Emma, that there's a report, the US Department of Labor in October of 2020 issued this report that found 1.56 million kids are harvesting cocoa today. And 95% of those are doing the worst forms of hazardous labor. So that, that's real. And so let's, let's get other people interested. In terms of helping uh, the kids themselves today, boy, I wish I could tell you there are some great NGOs out there that are 
working in the field and rescuing kids or something like that. But civil society structures in, uh, in Cote d'Ivoire and Ghana are pretty weak. Uh, actually, have not yet found a, a good, reliable partner on the ground to help with like the rehabilitation side of this. And we're, we might have to do it ourselves on uh, you finding or create a partner that, that can do this. But um, without uh, sounding uh, completely crass, uh, one thing you can do is go on our website and help us fund this litigation, make a small donation to IR advocates because we're taking on the, the seven giant cocoa companies and they're, they're pretty well healed. So any, any help that uh, can support our, our effort to stop them and then to make them help the children uh, would be uh, greatly appreciated. Right on. Have you seen uh, in person some of the worst forms of child labor? Oh, more times than I can count. I'm haunted by what I've, what I've seen. But yes, every, every single time I go to Cote d'Ivoire and Mali, I meet more kids who were either enslaved and escaped and are back home in Mali because they are all trafficked from Mali and Burkina Faso, much poorer countries than Cote d'Ivoire. Hmm. Or I have gone into cocoa plantations and seen with my own eyes, filmed with my own eyes, uh, the uh, kids that are doing hazardous work. Hazardous work under any definition includes using machetes and other sharp instruments to bring down the cocoa pods and applying herbicides and pesticides without any protective equipment. Well, they're not, kids aren't allowed to touch this, these poisonous chemicals, but they're doing it without any protective equipment, not even protective shoes. Uh, they're, they're usually wearing flip-flops as they're spraying this, this horrible poison. So there are some pictures on our website. There are pictures in the complaint that we, we just recently filed in February of this year against the big cocoa companies. And uh, there's a filmmaker, Mickey Mastrati, who has made two films, uh, The Dark Side of Chocolate and Shady Chocolate that have very good footage of what he saw. And he has just literally last week completed a new film that's called The War on Chocolate that largely features our legal efforts to uh, stop the companies from continuing to profit from slavery. And it, he's, I've seen a cut of the movie. It's really great in that he has us in court and Nestle and Cargill are arguing that they have, there's no child labor or that they're doing everything they can, but they're not responsible. And then he flips over to uh, Cote d'Ivoire where we're interviewing child slaves on plantations attributable to Cargill and, and Nestle. So it's gonna be, I hope, a big help in our efforts. Uh, it, it's finished, but it'll probably be released like in the fall. So keep your eyes out for that. And uh, Mickey did some great work in this film. I can't wait. I can't wait. I've seen uh, both his last films and they're very powerful. Definitely. Yeah, they sure are. When he's trying to get Nestle to watch his film, yeah. he projects it on the side of their building in Switzerland. That That's the kind of creative stuff that uh, he's very good at. And uh, this film has a few very good moments like that. I can't wait. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah, no, that's just it's awful to hear about that. And I think a lot of people um, don't like to look at the problem in the face because they don't really know what they can do. So thank you for all of 
the little tips and advice and on what we can do um, that'll make a change and a difference. Um, is there I anything? Is there Go anything ahead. else you want to say to our listeners today? Well, yes. One just I, I want to stress that I think one of the reasons the companies are getting away with this is that they know that people generally would find it hard to believe that reputable corporations would profit from slavery, that there's, there's like a presumption of goodwill in corporate America, and that it's, it's shocking, but this is one of the clearest examples I think we'll find that, that that's just not true. They, they, they are, are, will do about anything to make money if they are enslaving children, or put another way, if we can't stop them from enslaving children, how in the hell are we going to stop them from wasting water or polluting or something that's not as just provable on the spot? So this is like the tip of the iceberg, but we, we've got to win this or they will be emboldened. Like they couldn't even stop us from using slaves. We can do whatever the hell we want. So it's very symbolic or, or very, very key to maybe toppling a little bit of the empire that we can come together and solve this problem that we would all agree, I hope, is, is, is criminal. Slavery in the year 2021 of African children, that it's, it, it, it's impossible to look the other way. Let's do something together. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Terry. Um, that was really valuable. Absolutely. We, we, we are on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we'll go on our website, but we, uh, that's part of our job is to help consumers empower themselves and answer their questions. So please do reach out to me if you think I can answer a question that will help you to get involved. To all my listeners, thank you so much for tuning in to episode five of the Coco podcast. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And if you liked it, make sure you share it on social media. This is very valuable information and we need to get the word out there if we're going to make a difference in the cocoa industry. Thank you so much.